are listening to Up to Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. This is Beth, wellness expert, along with Dr. Scott Clitheroe, or as I like to refer him um, as Superman or the greatest multitasker I know. But either way, Dr. Taskmaster or Superhero, Scott, how are you doing today? Oh, Beth, you're so nice. I'm great. Thank you for the kind words. I'm doing really well. It's um, another beautiful day here in Austin, Texas. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I know. I'm so excited about this warmer weather. Yes, yes. We had snow two weeks ago, and today it's up in the 50s and 60s, so I'll take it every day. I love the warm weather. Well, I know we both love to chit-chat, but I am really excited <laughs> about our special guest today. Well, I want to hear all about it. I know, but I, let's let the listeners hear, hear all about them. I can't wait. Okay, everyone. You are in for a treat today. I want to welcome Dr. Ronald Cole. Dr. Cole is not only a physician, but an author of four books. He's an enlightened birth advocate and a leading pioneer of spirituality in the field of pregnancy, pain, as well as healing. So there is something for everyone to hear, um, not just mothers-to-be. But what is even more fascinating is that Dr. Cole came to this role in the field as an OBGYN through his own spiritual journey which we will talk about in depth later on, but his awakening and spiritual journey led to his interest as a birth advocate for pregnant mothers. As he pursued his personal interest in the study of all the spiritual aspects of life and their practical applications, he began to open his mind to developing a more loving approach to healing, to life, and a, living a new life. He has so generously agreed to share his story of the connection between body, mind, and soul, as well as his approach to his practice. So welcome, Dr. Cole, to A Healthier View. Thank you. I'm happy to be on the show, and I uh, appreciate you having me. Dr. Cole, I, we have so much to talk about. I just can't wait to hear uh, some of your expertise, but I got to know a little bit more about your background. You know, I know that you were actually a, an engineer before you went into medicine and I'm just so interested in, in life paths and journeys and career choices and so could you just give us a, a, a kind of an idea of how you made that switch from engineer to physician? Well I don't recommend my path because it was rather <laughs> lengthy. Uh, I originally wanted to be an engine excuse me a physician back when I was in high school but at that time doctors were 10 feet tall and walked on water and I was thought who am I to think I could become a doctor? So I forgot about that. I was good in math and science, so engineering was a big thing. And uh, I went into engineering and picked uh, civil engineering, which is about the only one I think I would enjoy. And I excelled in it and did well and proceeded on to uh, get both a BS and a master's degree at the University of Missouri and then uh, went into practice for uh, as an engineer 
for about a year and then I had to go to the military because of an ROTC commitment and served two years of active duty and then came back to that. Well, uh, as, as I was doing strict civil engineering work, I was okay, but I went to work with the Exxon Chemical Company and it wasn't too long before they started moving me around and I got really kind of unhappy and was not liking the type of work and thought this is not for me and I looked around at other civil engineering jobs and really couldn't find any. Well at this mm -hmm. time, about this time I had, uh, we had my uh, second child and he was born with a birth defect called spina bifida. And mm -hmm. that, he had about 29 surgeries in three years. Uh, uh, so obviously I was thrown into deep contact with the medical profession. That re, uh, kindled the interest in medicine and I thought okay what do I do now you know uh, and I thought okay I will I will take some courses uh, to get my pre-requirements and spent about two years doing that and then actually uh, was able to get into the University of Missouri Medical School back where I originally went to school uh, the first try round so I uh, did four years of medical school, and then I moved back to the Houston area, and I know you're a, a Texas person, and yeah. uh, did my residency at MD Anderson and St. Joseph Hospital. And uh, I came out of residency as a traditional obstetrician gynecologist, which means when you're doing even like vaginal deliveries and stuff, it was a very sterile, impersonal, no family around type experience. And that's the way I was trained, so that's the way I did it, as you well know. And oh, yeah. so, uh, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but then uh, I had started on somewhat of a spiritual quest through reading some books and more and more, and uh, we can get into that detail later on, but uh, I realized spirituality, which is based on unconditional love, uh, the type of delivery that we were doing was a very impersonal, sterile, uh, not a good way to enter the world and in a loving way. And so I started, based on my study in spirituality, uh, looking at ways on how I can make a better birth experience. And uh, so uh, I started making those changes. But anyway, that's how I kind of made the transition. I've had many, many people say, how in the world did you get from a civil engineer with a master's degree into an obstetrician gynecologist? And, and that's just yeah. kind of in a nutshell uh, how the transition was made. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, as you both know, and as our regular listeners know, you know, for the past four or five years, I have really gotten into holistic and spiritual health. And that is something I am really passionate about and always wanting to learn more about. But what I find interesting is that when I first visited my functional medicine doctor, she asked me if I knew what my birth was like. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm not for sure. I guess it was pretty normal. And then you, Dr. Cole, asked me the same question when we first spoke. So can you go into detail why the birth experience is such an important event for the baby as he or she comes into the life? Well, I think it gets into the point that 
you, you switch kind of over to the spirituality aspect. In other words, uh, we look at this baby, and, and it is indeed, uh, you know, has baby traits, so to speak. You know, it's not talking, uh, and we, we think that there's nothing going on in its mind. Well, really, it has a soul just like you and I. Uh, my beliefs, and I've studied it for many, many years, is that soul has been around for a long, long time. So it's kind of a, uh, mostly of them are old souls trapped in a baby's body, and uh, but they've kind of gone through a veil of forgetfulness, and they don't realize that. But yet, uh, if you've been in my shoes, you've heard so many examples of how babies account uh, for uh, things that happened while they were in the uterus and everything. And so uh, it's like anything else. If you went to a foreign country and they threw you in a room with bright lights and questioned you and interrogated you and then finally let you out, you wouldn't have a real great thought of this place is such a wonderful, loving place to be. And so it's the same way, uh, and it really gets into... A lot of details we won't get into here. I know it's not the purpose right now, but uh, babies are affected by uh, their parents during pregnancy. They actually choose their parents and parents uh, accept them. Uh, this is all on a higher level that you don't remember uh, typically. Uh, so uh, love is the ultimate emotion, uh, unconditional love specifically. And it, it just makes a great difference. Do you want to be kind of rough handled or do you want to be uh, handled in a very uh, unconditional loving way? I think we know how most people would answer that question. So that's the importance of creating a birth experience which involves a family, which involves calmness, which involves love. And so uh, that's, that's why the birth, the atmosphere that you set is so important uh, to the child. Example, uh, I've uh, done, uh, you know, when my son was born, he had spina bifida. And one of the things that, that I got involved with was I was one of the co-founders of the Spina Bifida Association of America. But I had mm -hmm. a lot of the contact with the uh, medical profession. And uh, it's it's just uh, the love that, that you can create and the one way, the one reason that we can somewhat get by with that in obstetrics when I started changing uh, the experience and uh, and what kind of did I do? Well, uh, during a vaginal delivery, I would dim lights, uh, play soothing music. We would talk to the unborn child, reassure it. Uh, we'd let family in uh, and we would let the dad cut the cord and uh, we didn't whisk baby off uh, like they used to do it uh, seconds after it was born into the nursery and oh the baby has to stay in the nursery for X hours or till tomorrow morning or whatever and uh, so stop you can just with logic you can say well what kind of experience would I like so uh, that starts your whole life off in the right direction Beth so does that help out some oh absolutely beautifully put that, you know, I just, I feel like, Doc, um, that 
we could just do a better job in medicine that, you know, and we're going to get into your book, but it just impacted me so much that, you know, just something as ancient as a birth has been somewhat sterilized, if that's the right word, you know, and that people, you know, innovators like you are kind of bringing it back to the way it, it used to be. And I know in Austin here, there's quite a few midwives and um, I hear great things about what they do. And, and yet that I also hear some grumbling about it. And did, I'm imagining you had some pushback as you were innovating the birth experience from some of your colleagues. And, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about it too much, but to me, that's very interesting. That must have been somewhat difficult for you. Well, you have to remember what I'm talking about. And when I made this conversion, because I'd been in practice for a number of years and doing the, mm-hmm. as you said, sterilized approach, and that's a good word to use yeah. uh, and a good description. Uh, when you step out of the box, as you can well appreciate in medicine, you're not a uh, well thought of from the medical profession. Yeah. Maybe the patient's yeah. fine. And so uh, at one time, I uh, could not get a pediatrician to take care of my newborn babies. And which, as you know, you have to have a a pediatrician assigned to the newborn baby and all that. So I had to uh, uh, figure out ways to do that. Uh, Then particularly, if you really want to step out of the box, and as I did, I uh, started doing some underwater bursts in the hospital. Well, of course, I would have to assure my patients now, if I'm not here, you won't have one, I promise you. And I felt that uh, the buzzards were circling every time I did one, uh, waiting for something (laughs) to go wrong so they could swoop in and and, uh, uh, pick the bones. And for for me to do, and you understand this, uh, Dr. Clithrow, that if if you want to do something in a hospital, you have to, uh, as we talked to the administrator, she said, okay, if you get approval, if you write a protocol and get approval for it by the executive committee and the OBGYN committee, then you can do it. So I had to do all of that and believe it or not, did, you know, which is surprising in and of itself. And yeah. the first uh, water birth that we did was the couple that encouraged me to do it, I have to be honest with you, when they first said we want a water birth, I said, you're crazy, we're not going to do that, you know, so I'm pretty honest with what, I had to wade through some pretty heavy swamps uh, to get where I was, but uh, uh, actually I've created three uh, birthing videos uh, years ago, uh, vaginal delivery, cesarean delivery, and water birth, and one of the births in there was the first one we did. And the neat thing about it, it was a very loving couple that talked to the child and the babies in water births, uh, they don't cry, they don't whine, they're perfectly fine. Uh, It's a totally different personality that you see because you've approached it from a loving standpoint. So uh, it, it it was quite a challenge to get the... And it took, I don't know, maybe a few years before they got off my back and uh, left me alone to do what I was doing and everything. So it was uh, it was a challenge. I don't recommend it for everybody by any means. You yeah. have to be <laughs> and feel very strongly that you're doing the right thing. And mm-hmm. you talk about healing. It's the same thing in healing and everything. So mm-hmm. uh, I agree with what you said. Uh, we have a tremendous amount to learn about healing 
and we'll get into that later i know but uh it's uh, a real real challenge you we don't really understand healing at this point in time and that's the reason for this last book that i wrote but uh, the medical profession has a lot to learn one important thing i always told people when i gave talks and everything is that yes i'm doing things different but number one thing i always follow medical accepted medical standards you have to do that as you well know or you're not going to be in in uh uh, you know medicine very long the reason Mm -hmm. i could kind of quote get away with it is because most particularly obstetrical as well as uh gynecological patients are normal natural healthy people and Mm -hmm. it's not treating cancer and and just going way out and uh, some other field of treatment for that, you know, so yeah, uh, yeah. they've been doing birthing without doctors around, as you pointed out, since man started walking this earth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. And that's really interesting. Now, um, I just can you go into and explain what a water birth experience would look like? I mean, I have this image of a big pool and I want to know, are there any women out there that should not do a water birth? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I always told them, now look, okay, we'll plan this birth, but at any time, if I see that there is a problem and I don't feel comfortable with fetal heart tones or bleeding or whatever complication, you will not have an underwater birth. You just don't blindly say, well, I don't care. We're going to have a water birth no matter what. And I did have to call several off at times because of either abnormal fetal heart tones and normally or something like that so uh, uh, basically the the first couple that i had they went out and bought uh, found a tub and it was just a huge about a six or eight foot uh tub that you would use on a ranch to put water in for your cattle okay okay and so worked well and uh we you would fill it up and they would we would labor the patient in I was changed to a different hospital. I changed to a different hospital and I agreed to it if they put in LDR rooms. And this is before there was any such things. And we put in whirlpool tubs so the mother could labor in. So it's not only that you deliver in the water, you labor in the water. And uh, as Dr. Clithrow knows, uh, warm water creates endorphins and things. And, uh, you know, if you have the right patient, uh, she's really in control of her labor and preparing for it. And that was my key is preparation, education, and positive attitudes. So we would labor them in the whirlpool bath and we had a, a dop tone. We could check underwater to listen to the heartbeat. And so when the lady was uh, complete and ready to push, we would move her to the tub, which we had at a given temperature and uh would finish delivering there dad would be in with her she he quite often would be leaning up against the side of the tub she would be then in front of him and uh, i would uh, lean over and examine the patient and when it's time to deliver deliver the baby and so theory says you could probably leave a baby underwater for 10 minutes after it was born which nobody in their right mind would do because where has the baby been for nine months Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so true. that, and they don't, unless they're exposed to air, they don't try to breathe. And if the, uh, 
if the cord is still pulsing, they're getting their oxygen from mother still. And uh, so it's, uh, it's just such a beautiful experience and everything. If you have loving parents and they've done their homework and uh, then, you know, when the baby's delivered, it's given to mom or dad and they're, they're staying in the tub and everything until uh, we get the placenta delivered and then uh, we get them in the bed and the baby stays with the parents. So it's, it's a totally different experience to say the least. So, and uh, I've had some great experiences and the two births that are shown on the underwater birthing tape that I did uh, was that couple. And then the other one was actually a doctor and his wife that had, that were very loving uh, patients and stuff. So uh, it was, uh, uh, it, it really shows a beautiful experience. Dr. Cole, you know, I, I, I marked up your book quite a bit and, um, and, you know, listening to you talk about the birthing experience. So I know that you, you mentioned the word evolution and evolve a lot in your book about, you know, universal spiritual law of love and how maybe someday we'll evolve and understand these laws better. But I think about it also just in the terms, again, of medicine that, you know, the way healthcare, at least in this country, is, is it's just not, we're, we as healthcare professionals are not often reimbursed or rewarded for spending time with the patient. And I know personally that the more time I spend with a patient in the room, the less they have as far as pain, the more questions they have answered, the more satisfaction they have from the visit. And yet, of course, I'm not reimbursed that way. And, and you know, I just think that that word evolution meant a lot to me. And, and, and have, you know, have you felt, do you see healthcare evolving yet and following along some of these pathways that you've kind of been a trailblazer in how are you how are you seeing it at the as you as you kind of wind down your maybe your active medical career how do you feel things are going well certainly i i've i've been retired now for about 10 years so uh, and mm -hmm. spending time with writing but uh it certainly is not a speedy involvement by any means you know just <laughs> yeah mention we at least have gotten into ldr rooms and underwater bursts and things like that mm -hmm. Even, uh, you know, we have to talk about the healing part, too. Uh, I have very feelings that what we're taught in medical school and residency, I think, is the mechanics of healing. And I think this is a good way to look at it. But the real cause of healing comes from within the patient. If the patient's not willing to be healed, and I know a lot of people would take, uh, you know, uh, option that I don't really believe that. But indeed, if you studied spirituality for 50 years like I have, and if you put it to work in your practice, uh, and I can give an example or two if you'd like me to, but uh, mm. it's, it's the patient that is the bottom line. And you might say, well, nobody would get sick for the heck of it. No, there is a benefit to the sick role, as you well yeah. know. And I've heard, I know you mm -hmm. had talked about it, you know, well, what, why, what's the advantage of being sick? Well, you don't have to do anything for yourself. Everybody waits on you. They bring over food. They feel sorry for you. Oh, poor old lady, et cetera. And, uh, but it goes so much deeper. Uh, like I say, I have uh, over 500 audio tapes of original spiritual research and have uh, worked with both the unborn and newborn child and about every example you can think of problems that will happen in life and particularly healing and 
it becomes, it starts making sense once you're given examples of that. And I know we don't have time mm -hmm. to go into, but still, uh, if you'd like me to, I can give you an example of one uh, healing situation that I cured a lady of severe pelvic pain that lasted for weeks uh, with a rather unique medical uh, uh, approach that I probably would have been thrown out of medicine if it had come to the board or something here. Well, is that the story. one you talked about in the forward of your book? Is that you, I know that one in the beginning of your book, you talked about that woman who came to your office with chronic pain. That was fascinating. I, I'd like you to right. you give us a short version of that. Again, it's in the book, but I think it's very educational and informative. And it was, it was extremely educational to me. This was a, yeah. a young lady that came to me and said, look, I have severe pain each time I have intercourse. And I went to Dr. So-and-so, who was a GP there. He was kind of a gruff older GP and doesn't spend any time with these patients. Uh, and you're right, you don't really get paid to do what we really need to do, unfortunately, here. But anyway, and so I, I started getting some insights to her and I started talking to her and getting a history. Well, he, the physician uh, had told her kind of roughly and everything, well, you have a yeast infection and you've got a, a venereal disease called herpes. Well, that was back when herpes was a real no-no, and if you had herpes, you were a horrible, terrible uh, person that slept with everyone and all that stuff. And so, uh, obviously, that was a great guilt trip he was able to put on her. And so, oh, he sent her home without doing anything really much, maybe treating her yeast infection, but uh, and uh, it uh, didn't change or anything, and, and she kept thinking, oh, I'm a terrible person, and, and this came out with in talking to her, and um, so I started getting insight that guilt was the cause of her pain, you know, not some endometriosis or adhesions or anything, and so after talking to her, I, and I spent quite a bit of time educating her, look, herpes is not the end of the world. It doesn't mean you've been slept uh, with everybody in the world. Uh, you may have gotten it 10 years ago and, and it just started affecting you. And so uh, I could see her kind of growing from just a few inches tall, so to speak, uh, to kind of straightening up and feeling better about herself. And I said, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home on your way home. I want you to stop and buy your favorite bottle of wine and you go home and you seduce your husband. Now, I don't remember reading about that in medical school, and I don't think you did either. <laughs> <laughs> so she went home, and I went on about my business. Well, about a month later, I thought, I wonder what happened to her. You know, I, I haven't heard anything, you know. So I told my uh, office manager, call her up, tell her to come in. I just want to talk to her. I won't charge her for the visit. Uh, and she did that, and the lady came in. I said, well... I asked her two questions of most importance. I said, well, uh, how have you been doing? Fine, fine. I said, well, how's your love life? She said, it couldn't be better. And Aww. so I thought, whoa, I can't believe I did that. Well, that wasn't true. I didn't do anything except talk to her. She did the healing, not me. So you see here we have severe pain that lasted for weeks after intercourse that could be healed by understanding and learning and changing your self-image. So, uh, and, and there's many examples of that that I've seen. Yeah.
And, and again, I, I love that story. It's in the book. And, you know, I, originally I was going to ask you about exercise and the unborn baby, but I have changed my mind. I want to know, you told us how you went from being an engineer to being a medical doctor, but I want to know where did this spirituality, um, when did it start for you? When did you realize there was something bigger and better and, and something out there? Because I certainly know this is to be a new train of thought for a lot of people out there. When did this journey for you begin? Uh, the journey for me began, uh, well, back when I was uh, an engineer. And uh, I read some uh, books that talked about some very highly spiritually evolved uh, people and entities and stuff like that. And uh, that kind of got me interested. And I opened myself to opportunities and thinking about reading more about it. Uh, back about 1967, I learned about a group called Rosicrucians, which uh, was founded in ancient Egypt. And it's, it's out in uh, uh, San Jose, California. And they were somewhat of a spiritual, uh, insightful uh, mind uh, over matter uh, association. I went to one of their conventions. Uh, it was very fascinating and enlightening. And then later I... Uh, went to what's called, was called a Starseed Seminar in Missouri by Ken Carey. This was back in 85. And I was exposed to a, a technique called spiritual channeling. And what that is, and I, and I found it very enlightening and fascinating source of uh, wisdom and truth. And channeling is actually when a very gifted, evolved medium, and there's all kinds of calibers of mediums, allows a, a highly evolved spiritual entity to speak through them. And uh, when you open yourself up, what you need will be brought to you. You know, So I was um, brought to uh, these ladies, and I worked with them, and uh, it was very fascinating. We actually got into uh, Unborn Child, and it was interesting. I can tell you a very short story uh, how I learned that you could talk to the unborn child. Uh, I was talking on a station, we were talking about a pregnant mother and, and everything, and the, the channel I was working on uh, is, uh, uh, said, do you want to talk to the unborn child? I said, what? She said, do you want to talk to the unborn child? What do you mean? I said, well, talk to the unborn child. I said, and me being Mr. Curiosity, I thought, okay, I'll talk to the unborn child. Let's see what you got, you know. And here comes this little voice, hi, Dr. Cole. And, and uh, anyway, I worked with several channels, and then I, I asked them, I said, where did you learn this? And they said, oh, well, this was from Reverend Beverly Bertie Carey uh, taught him. And I thought, uh, wow, if the, if the students are that good, what do you think the teacher is like? So uh, I got her phone number and being a doctor I thought well she'll be happy to work with me and everything and this is kind of a I have to tell a story about my ego a little bit at that time uh, I called her up and said I'm Dr. Cole I'd like to work with you etc and I expected her to just jump at the chance and her answer was well I don't know uh, let me think about it and I'll call you back in two weeks well I immediately tucked my tail between my legs and we hung up you know then yeah. about 50 Minutes later, I get this phone call, and it's Reverend Bertie Carey, and she said, I've been told that I should work with you. So that started a 20-year relationship with her, and uh, 
we uh, we've covered about every subject that you can think of so uh and so each each tape that i did was was just a fascinating learning experience and i saw the value and the truth and i could put the this what i was taught to work in my life and my practice to see if it really works and indeed it did and uh so if you can work with someone for 20 years and they be consistent in what they teach uh you you can't making up these stories for 20 years and not get caught in 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 the lies or something so mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately uh, beverly passed away uh hmm. oh probably six seven years ago and i'm was really sorry to hear that but that's kind of how i evolved through these meetings and these people and and that's what the involvement is it's a growth and that's what we're all here on this earth to do is to grow get experiences and become a better person uh, yeah, through bottom line is unconditional love. Yeah. You know, the, the book, um, that you just came out with, which I highly recommend, and I know we'll be talking more about all the books, but, um, you know, that I was really blown away by how, you know, when you talk about love, you know, some of the universal spiritual laws, of course, the first one is love. And one of the big ones is forgiveness. And I liked how you talked about both of those love and forgiveness, you have to have self-love and self-forgiveness first as a foundation to to work on. And I, that really impacted me, Dr. Cole. And I wanted to know if you could maybe just expound on that for our listeners and how you, you know, how you think about that. Cause I think that's so interesting. Well, uh, I was, there's, I think I have about 23 uh, universal laws in there and certainly forgiveness. Mm -hmm. The very universal law, as you mentioned, that is the law of love. And if you just followed that and nothing else, you'd really kind of be following all the other lo uh, laws. But forgiveness is a very, very important thing. And the sad thing is, do you know who the hardest one to forgive is? <laughs> Yourself? You got it. You get an A plus <laughs> on that. And, uh, uh, and uh, like, for instance, let's, let's talk about dogs. And by the way, you know what dog spelled backward is, don't you? G-O-D, oh, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. interesting, yeah. Uh, but, you know, dogs can show unconditional love, and, and in my book, I talk about where you uh, uh, can see that unconditional love, uh, you can have the most horrible person have a dog, and they'll love their owner just as much as they love the best person around, as long as it doesn't abuse them and everything here, so yeah. uh, forgiveness is extremely important uh, because, uh, you know, we, by forgiving yourself, it gives you another chance. And again, that's part of the involvement and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, forgiveness is an extremely one of the important laws. There's, there's, there's a lot of them that uh, are very, very important, but forgiveness and particularly of self and of others, uh, Normally, it's you that that suffers more from not forgiving yourself and certainly forgiving others than the person that you're should be forgiving and everything. And certainly, there's yeah. a lot of things it would be pretty hard to try to uh, forgive. But uh, you know, love and forgiveness are are just you know do go hand in hand. And you're right, you know. So. Uh, yeah. And it's like the lady that she forgave herself, and what happened? The pain went away. 
So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I think you, you make a good point that those two, well, I mean, they're all locked together, the laws, and based yeah. on primary universal law. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. don't know if I answered the question, but if you have any other. No, absolutely. Be- no, you did well. That's, that's I, I just think it's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. You know, I know we're going to have you. In fact, we talked when we were prepping for this interview that we want to have you back on in a couple of weeks to talk about, you know, the universal spiritual laws of healing um, in a show just about your new book. But I want to know when you're not writing, when you're not, you know, doing all these amazing things, what do you do in your spare time? I'm dying to know. Well, uh, I'm, I feel that we've, we've been brought to a very special uh world here and there's a lot of very special things to do and uh i've i've done some things that uh have kind of uh are way uh fun to me at least to other people they would not but uh i've uh i've been a, a scuba diver since about 1959 and uh i've swam with humpback whales, I've swam with whale sharks, I've swam with manatees, I've been in caves and uh, uh, petted uh, nurse sharks, uh, and uh, uh, I, uh, when I was in high school I in college, I enjoyed football and, and played it, and uh, artwork, uh, I enjoy photography, I'm kind of a professional, no, I'm not a professional, I'm uh, <laughs> photographer. Uh-huh. I enjoy animals. I've uh, been on a, a photographic safari, which is a, a wonderful trip to Africa and to Alaska, and uh, done snow and water skiing, included barefoot skiing. And one thing I enjoyed the most, one of my hobbies was skydiving. And I, I actually wanted uh, to do that. Uh, it, it's, it's great for the, uh, the people that can enjoy it. I actually uh, organized and participated in an official world's record skydive, which is actually it's in the uh, 1987 Guinness Book of World Records. And uh, we stacked 23 open parachutes together. Uh, Oh, I enjoyed motorcycle riding and I had a recreational ranch in Texas. And uh, so, you know, life in the earth is just full of beautiful and fun and exciting things to do. And I encourage people to enjoy them and everything here. Uh, it doesn't have to be what I did and everything. That was just my thing here. But uh, so other than that, I haven't really done much in the last few years. Now, Scott, I want to ask you, well, have that, you ever wanted to go skydiving, Scott? <laughs> you know, uh, my daughter has done it and um, she asked me if I'd be interested and I told her, yeah, I'd like to go, but I have not done it. No, I, it looks fascinating. I, I do have a healthy fear of heights, but I, I assume that you know, when you go up there, you're, well taken care of and well instructed so it is on my bucket list for sure how about you i do i have always wanted to go so just haven't yet <laughs> on my bucket list as well it's, well, it's fun Cole, you, yeah, you can do yeah, them jump stuff like that yeah. but so um you know it's it's uh, uh i actually did one myself just see what it was because i thought sometime i might uh, let my son go uh, in a, you know, that had spina bifida, who, which is like a paraplegic, uh, but he never has. But uh, uh, it, it was until you really get into free fall, though, you don't get the real uh, fun of. But with the tandem jump, you, you are in free fall for a while. So 
I encourage you to uh, follow your dream. Okay. I'm on it. (laughs) Well, Dr. Cole, I think we better wrap it up for this show. But again, we really want to have you on and talk about all of your your writings. And um, we do have a habit of putting all of the links on um, on the on the landing page of our uh, of our podcast. But if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving the listeners some ways to find you and how to look for your books, if they're excited about the, the talk, which they should be, um, how can we find you on the World Wide Web, so to speak? Well, uh, I had, well, actually, there is a website, but it's an old website, which has to do with the birthing. So uh, okay. to do with the birth and the birthing book, it's on uh, birthhealingandbeyond.com. Okay. So that's earthhealingandbeyond.com. And uh, that's a, a much younger me on there. So uh, uh, <laughs> keep that in mind and everything. Uh, I, I have a, another website, but I mean, it's it's just simply a website and everything here. Okay. I don't know. Uh, should I give the website or what do you think here? Absolutely. Sure. Suppose, yeah. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, go ahead. We can all, you know, and also, can we find your books on Amazon or where can, you know, where can, uh, yeah, where can folks right. find your books? Yeah, right. Starting the uh, uh, publicity uh, work on the new book, but it is listed mm-hmm. on Amazon and uh, on uh, Barnes and Noble, and it's called Universal Spiritual Laws and Healing, and uh, you can find them on there. We're, we're working right now to create an audio book. Uh, I know a lot of people go for audio books versus uh, the actual reading so they can go to work uh, listening to the uh, book on the uh, tape recorder or uh, yeah. TV. And so uh, they can uh, uh, find it on there. And uh, so that's uh, two ways. I think supposedly, I don't know whether the uh, the uh, website that I gave you, it's supposed to turn over to my website, uh, my okay. own email address and everything here. Okay. And uh, okay. so as far as any more information about me, of course, the, my email address doesn't have any information or anything like that here. Well, that's good. Well, we, again, I, I just want to say that your book was uh, very impactful to me and I think about it a lot and I'm trying to incorporate things like this into my uh, purely traditional Western practice, but I, I think it's so um, informative. And, and just thank you uh, for your time today. We really appreciate it, Dr. Cole. Well, I certainly appreciate you having me on the show, both of you. And uh, you all are special people and uh, are doing a real job to help your listeners, to say the least here. And uh, okay. I, I feel sorry for you, uh, Dr. Clitheroe, that uh, what you commented on earlier that, uh, gee, I want to talk to my patients, but uh, you know, I started my practice uh, before managed care started, and you can do what you mm-hmm. wanted to then. Now it's yeah. a whole different game. So uh, yeah. I, I guess I got out in time here, but I, I feel sorry uh, and, and feel your frustration to say the least and everything. So uh, you made a good point. Yeah, well, it just it makes for long hours, but it's it's worth it. It's the only yeah. way I could ever do it. I, I just, I don't rush. I take my time with my patients, but um, I appreciate that. Obviously, you know, I can help. tell by talking to you, you're the type of doctor that I was and, and want to be and want to go to. Uh, yeah. I, uh, so uh, keep up the good work. You you're, sound you. like you're doing a great job and have a great understanding and everything. And hopefully the book can help out because, like I say, uh, we need the help of the patient to help heal them. And they, 
don't understand how extremely important that is. So uh, they come in and, of course, want you to do all the work and do a surgery, do medicine. And but they, if they don't change their thinking, and that's the key, and beliefs, uh, they can stay as sick as long as they want to. So uh, yeah, it's so true. And so I can I can appreciate your situation. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, again, uh, that wraps up the show for today, and uh, we'll be right back after this important message. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. As we close this show, I want to put out a big heartful thanks to Dr. Ronald Cole. He has been such an inspiration to me, and I can't wait to have him back on our show to talk about his new book called The Universal Spiritual Laws and Healing. So make sure you are all on the lookout for that upcoming show. If you enjoy listening to us at uptomeradio.com, then go to our A Healthier View show page to subscribe for updates, free gifts, sponsor promotions, and even more. Stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram at Up To Me Radio. Podcasts can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts, just search for Up To Me Radio. Until next time, have a healthy day. talk about medi-cal you have a choice and molina makes it easy so let's talk about making your life easier about extra help to manage your health nobody knows medi-cal better than molina visit meetmolinaca.com let's talk today okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.